Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Uh, it's so good to be here this morning. Uh, I just We've got a, a word um, regarding Martha and Mary, and I hope that it's going to be a blessing to you, and you've probably heard sermons on Martha and Mary before. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to honour my wife, <laughs> because as I was preparing this, this sermon, I, I, I came to her and I said, you know, I've, I've got, got this word about Martha and Mary, and I'm telling her about it, and she goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when your wife goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you have to pick up on that. It's like, what do you think she's thinking? She's told me her revelation about this and I've made it my own. <laughs> so before we start today, I just need to acknowledge my, that the inspiration and the, and the things that God's put into me have been coming from my wife and the Holy Spirit's taken that and he's just allowed me to, to sort of ruminate over that and to think and to go deeper. So I just want to honour you, darling. Yeah, yeah, cheeky. <laughs> she said, just stealing another one of my messages. Um, but no, I just want to honour you because um, I want to honour Michelle along with many others. Uh, she, uh, she is um, a demonstrator of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, today we're going to learn that a disciple of Jesus sits at Jesus' feet. They receive from him and then seek to believe. So you receive it. It's one thing to receive something, it's another thing to own it for yourself, to believe, that's to own it. And then they seek to live it out. And there is a way to that. The way begins with sitting at Jesus' feet and it finishes with living it out and we can get it upside down and that's what our story is going to be about, that you can get the cart before the horse. But Michelle demonstrates this, sitting at Jesus' feet. The first thing we do in the morning is I get up, I go downstairs, I get a coffee both first, I take the coffee to Michelle, she sits up, she gets out her uh, Bible or her phone and her journey and she's at the, at the feet of Jesus. And she, we've done that, Michelle and I, have done, and I do the same, we've done that for all our lives, our whole married life, 37 years this year. Um, it start, our day starts, first thoughts, Jesus. And uh, if you don't do any neuroscience stuff and you talk about how to, how to, how the, what your, the power of your first thoughts, how that affects the rest of your day, how that directs your life. And when your first thought is Jesus, it directs the rest of your day. So I just want to honour Michelle uh, because um, she has demonstrated that. We, as a, as a couple, have demonstrated that to our children. Um, Children, as Lou gave you an illustration, children observe your, your words, your works, and your ways. And it's amazing that sometimes it's not so much what you say, it's not so much what you do, but what your ways and your words, your words and your works, how it develops a pattern, a way, and they copy the pattern. And some of those patterns are the unsaid things. It's what they see you do first thing. It's how they observe you respond to different circumstances. Michelle, well done. You've modelled 
faith in every circumstance, not just in the beginning of your day, um, to me and to others, and I want to say to all of those who are, who are listening to me, male or female, God as a disciple, God is wanting to disciple us in his ways. There are three things that Jesus did. He, he had his words, as I said, he had his works, the things that he did, and he had his way. And that's what he wants us to dig into him and find him. So I just want to say that these women here, that's Martha and Mary as described in The Chosen, and I love The Chosen, uh, you see um, that disciples were not just the 12. We are very quick. I don't know what it is, but we just think the 12, right? But if, uh, we're going to read a passage from Luke chapter 10, but at the beginning of the chapter... Uh, actually, in Luke chapter 9, the context is that Jesus has just sent his first 12 on, on their first mission, short-term mission trip. Uh, and this was actually going to be their, their first opportunity to do the Great Commission. The Great Commission is just hit repeat and do more of that, what you've been doing. So what they, Jesus sent the 12, and then in Luke 10, he sends out another 70, and it says he sent his other disciples... So we've got to expand our idea of what disciples is. And then at the end of chapter 10, which we're going to read, you have Luke, who was probably told the story by Peter, is telling the story of two disciples that are not, we don't immediately go to women as disciples, but throughout the Gospels, you have uh, the, the Gospel writers actually portraying this as women as disciples. Interestingly, the words disciples are not often used directly to them, like Martha was a disciple of Jesus. We're going to learn that there are other ways in which, not necessarily by a descriptive word, but by what they were doing, it showed they were disciples of Jesus. In fact, in the first 100 years of the church life, women were considered part of the leadership fabric of the church. And after that, they seemed to drop away the the at the the fathers of the faith became more patriarchal and less women were involved in, in leadership. But that first hundred years, in the book of Acts, you've got women leaders being mentioned everywhere by name. What I love about the Gospels is that you've got names like Mary, Martha, Mag, there's four Marys. Who's at, the, who's at the foot of the cross? Who's the first people at the resurrection? Their names are being mentioned. That means priority. That means importance. That means value. And you've got this representation of women in Jesus' disciples, which was unique to the culture. Jesus' ministry was male and female, and it had male and female leaders. And God raised up disciples who were both male and female. And in the book of Acts, the Spirit came upon men and women. It wasn't just men. And you've got this amazing, amazing, beautiful, powerful revelation. So we're going to talk about Martha and Mary, and I haven't got a long time today, but we're going to do that. I just want to give you an update on my treatment. I just want to thank you so much uh, for praying for me. Um, during On Monday, I, I got, well, I've had a crazy, crazy week. So on, was it this Monday? Just Monday, uh, I got a, my uh, test result back that showed that my prostate cancer had uh, migrated to my back. It's got this tricky little thing that, that it can break away from this and then float somewhere, and it's floated unusually. My, my test results guy started with, uh, your results are peculiar, which was not a great start. <laughs> um, anyway, so I'd had pain in, um, about here in my back for about a month, and I didn't know what it was. I thought I'd blown a muscle by coughing too hard or something, but it turns out 
sneaky little cancer had gone into my back and started growing in my T9 vertebra and it started um, going into my spinal canal and putting pressure on the nerve. And that was what the pain was. So uh, I went, came out, can you just imagine getting that news? It's kind of like, and we were a bit worried about paraplegia. I'm going, whoa. <laughs> and so, and, you know, I've told you about the, the free-falling picture that God gave Michelle three months ago about the new season that I was entering into. At that moment, I was free-falling going, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> and anyway... Uh, I thank God for an amazing, amazing health system that I'm being... They, they got on the phone to the oncologist at the PA. They set up appointments. He then called me on his mobile, said, I've bumped your appointment earlier. You're coming in to see me on Thursday. We're going to start radiation treatment on your back on Friday. I had my treatment on Friday. Um, I'm on uh, hormone treatment to reduce my testosterone. All this stuff is happening. I can tell you right now, uh, I feel great. And God is with me. And um, all I can say is uh, my back pain actually has gone from a five to a one. Um, and um, all I can say is thank you for praying. Stick with me. I'm taking you on this journey. But what I really want is that if you pray for me, that God will awaken your prayer life. That you pray for me, that if you call on the name of the Lord for me, that God will call, get you praying for all sorts of things and get you coming close to Jesus. Ah, let's look at this beautiful, beautiful young women, um, Martha and Mary, uh, from a town called Bethany. Uh, we don't know how old they are. We're not told. We know that they weren't married, so it's possible they were teenagers. Uh, it's also possible that they, had, um, this town that they lived in was... Um, a town where the Essenes, who were dedicated, devout followers of God, who were wanting to really seek after him. Um, they, they were sort of this group of people seeking to be holy before God. And John the Baptist was connected to them in some way, we believe. But we don't know exactly, but we've got an idea maybe they're in there. At least Mary may have been 12 to 14, Martha, maybe a bit older, but not married. Um, we believe that they're possibly from a wealthy family and they had a brother called Lazarus um, and um, he's talked about, but I think he was the younger brother, so not very old. And we know from, from John chapter 11, which I'm not going to get to today, that Jesus loved them a lot. But what we're going to learn about this, this that they're introduced as characters, but they're actually disciples of Jesus. So let's read the passage and let's dig and see what God can teach us about. First of all, I told you three things that are part of the way of disciple. I'm going to get you to repeat them with me. What's the first way of a disciple? Sitting at his feet. The second part is that we receive and to take to ourselves, we believe what we get at, at the seat of sitting sitting with Jesus. And the third thing is, is that Jesus asks us, if you love me, you will do what I command. You'll put what he's taught, what you believed, into practice. So today, I would love to take you through the three stories, Luke chapter 10, which you have the first introduction of Martha and Mary, where they are putting on, uh, they're welcoming Jesus. The second story is the healing of Lazarus, and you see a transition in their growth as disciples in that story. It's really cool. And the third story 
is another story where they're hosting Jesus again and you see another transition in their discipleship growth. And so I want to just take you to story one, the first story in Luke chapter 10. All right, if you could just move me on, Mitch, that would be great. Then, uh, yeah. So while they were travelling, this is Jesus and his disciples, he entered a village, Bethany, and a woman, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So she was being the that she was into her home meant that she was the the eldest person. We don't know what her had happened to her parents. Probably um, they had lost their parents because she's the head woman in the home. Uh, this welcoming into the home is actually part of a Middle Eastern, or actually in in many cultures throughout the world. Um, my friend. Uh, here is from the Middle East, and there is a very strong historic culture of hospitality. Um, going back even before this time, back in Abraham's time, if you had someone come into your village, it was the responsibility of the village to provide hospitality. And hospitality meant giving, treating that person like a king and giving them the very best of what you had. But it's even more important if you had a very honoured person come into your town and you got the honour of hosting him and Jesus had been recognized as that and she had a sister named Mary and there's who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said now if you read that little passage there you would think what 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 do you learn from that yeah they were both sitting at his feet she had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet. But this more, that little phrase, sitting at the Lord's feet, is not just an explanation of what she was doing. It was an explanation of who she was. Paul, in Acts 22, describes himself as one who sat at the feet of Gamil, the rabbi Gamil, before he became a Christian, or after he became a Christian. Not sure, actually. Uh, but this was a description of a disciple, one who sits at the feet of the master. Jesus said, um, take on my yoke. When you, as a disciple, you sat at the master's feet and he taught you, and then he taught you his yoke. His yoke was his teaching. His yoke is what you bound yourself to. A yoke is um, like this thing that put on animals so that you can... You know, harness the power of both animals in the same direction and Jesus's teaching is we're called to align ourselves with his teaching so that we get the power from him and we move forward with him in fact we've got this beautiful thing she had a sister named Mary who was who also sat at the Lord's feet so right at the beginning of this story we have this picture of both Martha and Mary as disciples of Jesus and their primary starting place the primary way of a disciple was to sit at the feet of who? Why? When you're sitting at someone's feet, what are you doing? Are you there to talk to them? What's your primary... You're listening, right? You're in receive mode. He's teaching, you're listening. If he was a chef, he would be feeding you. Mmm. Think about, I want you to think about the meal because there are two meals going on here in this story. 
But Martha was distracted by many tasks. Why? What's going through her mind in her natural mind as the host? I've got to look after my guests. This was strongly built into her. She's a, the woman of the house. Her job is to show Jesus maximum attention, give him the very best from her house. And alongside her, Mary, her younger sister, is meant to do the same. It wasn't just Martha's. It's the whole household's job to care for her hosts. So this was a thing. But what's her primary starting point as a follower of Jesus? Where's she supposed to start her way? She's not just a host. What comes before her being a host? She's a disciple. And where does disciples start? Where's the way start? Sitting at the feet. You know, I've, I've read this story and sometimes people have divided Martha's and Mary's. Have you done this? Where some of you are Mary's and some of you are Martha's? Wrong. It's a wrong way of looking at this. There's a way. We're called to walk in this way. Mary's way and Martha's way was the same. But we just see in this particular instance, Jesus is actually wanting to remind Martha of his way. There's another way, Martha. And Mary chose it this time. If you read the next two stories, you find out that Martha grew in her understanding of the way and that she, she was, yes, she was an activist. She was a, a person who was taking steps to get things done. She was that. But she also was a disciple, so she knew about who Jesus was. And she grew in that understanding. You see that in chapter 11 of John. All right, so Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? What had Mary done? Think about it. Read that. What had she done? Martha was doing lots and lots of stuff with... Yes? Was she doing it by herself? No, not originally. Who was helping Martha at the beginning of this story? Mary. And what had Mary done? Jesus with his, his disciples teaching them and Mary had gone... She snuck in and she, because Martha had a lot of pressure, we've got to get all this done. And she's gone, my first priority is to sit at the feet of Jesus. So she, and Martha sees Mary in the room. It's kind of like, Jesus, you know how things work around here. You know that she's part of this. You know that we've got all these people to feed and we've got to get this done. And she was helping me. She's not helping me anymore. And she becomes distracted. And what does Jesus talk? She, Jesus, she says this, but Jesus says this. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. So he reads through what she's trying to do. She's going to go, I'll just tell her to help me, would you? Is anybody ever like that? This week, I've got this pause app that I'm doing, with the John Eldridge pause app, which is just a biblical meditation, and it's 10 minutes. And there's just so many things going on in my mind that the idea is to actually just focus yourself through scripture, meditation, and prayer on Jesus. Do you know, I'm having to hit pause on the pause. 
because I'm getting so distracted by all the things, so many things that I'm thinking of and going through with all this treatment. And Zoe went to get, on Monday, um, Zoe went to get um, some medication for me down to the chemist and on the way into the chemist fell over and broke her arm. Um, and then my, and my mum's in hospital with a broken femur and um, my other daughter just the week before had just had a uh, blocked milk duct and, and I'm going, oh, distracted and anxious about many things, free-falling. I totally get Martha. You can lose sight of the way. And so this meditational uh, app is just helping me to refocus myself on sitting at the feet of Jesus, where I'm in learning mode, where I'm in receiving mode, where I'm not feeling I have to serve Jesus straight up. He's, this story is about the, learning the way of Jesus. So Jesus says this, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not taken away from her. We can read that passage and go, one thing is necessary and it's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Can I ask you, is that all discipleship is? Just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Wouldn't it be really good if that's all we ever had to do? Jesus actually demonstrated this himself. He would get up before it was light and he would find a solitary place and there he would meet with his father and he would sit at his feet. There his father would give him breakfast, but it wasn't a breakfast like fish and eggs and whatever. It was a breakfast. It was a breaking fast. It was a feeding of his soul and his mind and his spirit. It was a feeding of the relationship with him that would take him, Jesus, through the rest of his day so that as he listened to what his words from his father, he would, he would receive them, he would believe them, and then he would go and live those words out during his day. Jesus modeled that to his disciples, and then he said, now you go and do it. And this one thing is necessary. It's not saying that's all you do. If Jesus had got up every morning and stayed in a solitary place and that's all he did, spent time, he would have been a great monk. Right? Just sort of in his monastic little world going, this is so awesome. But that's where it begins. It's not where it finishes. It's meant to be have this complete change of our interior so that our exterior life becomes like we're talking about at least this light so shine in you that you become a light house and so that you receive and believe and take god's word into your life and then it becomes this thing this one thing is necessary martha you're distracted by me worried about many things but this one thing is necessary and you missed to, you missed your opportunity to receive a meal from me while you were making a meal for me. Sometimes I come to church and, I, and um, the worship culture that's been, um, that we've kind of created as a church over the last 50 or 60 years, you realise that we sing a lot to God and I, I want to do that. But you, you sometimes realise that where is the space where I sit at the feet of Jesus and priority is received from me first, Paul. And sometimes, obviously, church can't do everything and have all the things that we, we need 
to, to grow in our faith. And this, this time alone is not enough. And, it, and I realise that I, I need to make space in my life to sit at the feet of Jesus. And what Martha got stuck in was is that the demand of expectation of what was considered to be the right thing to do got in the way of the best thing to do. What was the right thing to do in her? It was to be the best host that she could be. Was there anything wrong with that expectation? It was good. She was wanting to honour Jesus and give him the very best and she wanted Mary to be a part of that. But I want to ask you this question. If she had stopped and asked Jesus, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to do the preparation now or later? What would he have said? Come sit at my feet and learn from me. I will feed you and then you can feed me. Doesn't that change this story? It's not about Mary being better than Martha. It's just at that very moment, Mary chose to start at the right point. She realised, I can't miss out on what Jesus is serving up for me. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And I think Martha comes away from that story and goes, when that happens again, I'm not going to miss out. I missed out today because I got distracted and worried and anxious because I wasn't fulfilling what the expectation of my culture demands. I didn't put Jesus first in my mind. And as a follower of Jesus, his way is first sit at his feet, receive and believe what he teaches, and then go and serve and obey that word out. What's beautiful, in, and I'll finish here, what's beautiful in John chapter 12 is you have another meal and it starts with these words. Mary, uh, Martha was serving, and then Mary comes and she anoints Jesus with precious, expensive oil. Do you know uh, both women were serving? Both were involved in this beautiful act. Both were treating Jesus as the honoured host, oh, honoured guest, and they were hosting him. One was preparing the meal, the other one was the, considered herself to be the least person in the family and that was the, 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 the job of the person who was the least was to wash the feet of the guests. And instead of washing his feet with water, she broke out this expensive perfume and washed his feet with her hair. And, and Jesus talked about that as being a preparation for his burial. But what I want you to know is that wasn't just an act of Mary, that was an act of Martha and Mary as hosts. So you... Jesus wasn't teaching, they were sharing a meal at that moment and now it was their time to express their worship to actually serve him and it was a beautiful time. I want us to think about that. How are you going with sitting at the feet of Jesus? As Christians, we, we've got to move from that place into receiving, believing and serving but how are you going with the distractions, the demands? the things that are going on in your life. I can just tell you right now, there are many things in my life right now that could cause my mind to go crazy because I'm literally falling off a cliff and falling down. But one thing I know is, is that I have to pause, I have to breathe, and I have to sit at the feet of Jesus and go, what would you like to say to me right now? I need to receive what your word is for me. And I remember the words of Moses when... Uh, uh, he, he was explaining, he said, man shall not live 
by bread alone, manna, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I remember those words because manna is daily. It was daily. You had to be reliant on God to give you himself what you need daily. And Moses is saying, there's, there's, we needed that, but even more important is that we would come daily to God and receive his words to us. Simple application. Carve out 10 minutes of your day, read the word. Carve out your, from that time, instead of saying, Lord, what would you say to me from that word? Lord, that I might receive it, that I might believe it. And Lord, help me to put that into practice today. And then go to him with your prayers. Go to him with the things that you need. Go to him and, and talk to him. We've got to learn to develop this dialogue of discipleship. But it starts with sitting at his feet. Uh, I just want you to know, in finishing, today's Mother's Day. So here's a beautiful thing. Luke chose, to, chose this story amongst all the stories that he had. To teach us a beautiful discipleship principle about sitting at the feet of Jesus, receiving, believing, and then serving, and that this is the way. And he could have used other stories from the other 12 disciples, but he chose these two women, these two beautiful women. We go back to their picture. Where's that picture? Two young women. Don't you love Jesus? I just love the fact that you all fit into his frame for what a disciple can be. Lord Jesus, just thank you for their example. Thank you you, you took these young women and used their life to communicate your desire to come for us to come and sit at your feet. We just want to say, we're sorry when we get distracted. We're sorry when we, like someone shared it before, Margaret, I think it was, shared about, I no longer get anxious, I just bring these things to you. Lord, I want to do that more. I want to sit at your feet and receive your words. Help me to let you feed me. Because you, you're greater than me. And your words are greater than my words to you. Help me, God, to love you the way I want to. Lord, thank you for loving us and drawing us into this beautiful relationship. I pray that from this word, Lord, a desire will grow in people's hearts to come and meet with you. That they might be with you, become like you, and go out and make disciples.